Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. This show is being recorded for February 9th, 2022. Now, normally, this is the point where I just plow forward full steam ahead. I'm going to pause a little bit and provide an on-ramp for new listeners. Is there any reason in the world why new listeners might find this show in particular? No. None that I know of, but, you know, never hurts to plan ahead. So typically what I do here is I uh, do some business, I play a song, uh, I, I acknowledge the patrons, and then off we go. I talk for a little while on some topics, uh, nerdy topics typically. I am a nerdy guy who's podcasting from South Carolina, have been since 2004, and uh, that's the kind of stuff I talk about. Uh, somewhere towards the middle, I'll get a little parched. I might. I might. Enjoy a beverage. You are welcome to enjoy a beverage then or anytime. It's your house, man. It's your life. Uh, and then I'll uh, talk a little more and we'll finish out. It's a kind of an invariant, uh, almost never varying, uh, never say never, but uh, it is a highly stable format that has served me well. And uh, been doing it for 17 years plus and uh, no sign of stopping now. It's like a rent control department. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a plausible claim on this being the longest continuously running podcast. And once I stop, I have no claim. So, like you always keep a rent control department, you always keep uh, you always keep this podcast alive. All right, let us plow forward to the business. The show is not kid safe. The show is not work safe. The show is just plain not safe. Creative Commons licensed, non commercial attribution, four Unported. The music is by the general readers. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind auspices of Backbeat Media. I do not speak for my day job. I shan't even speak their name aloud. Some of you may know who it is, but I'm not talking for them. I'm on my own time, on my own dime. Let us now play the song. I got an email a couple weeks ago from a musician named Lauren Hoffman, who was pointing out that I played her music in 2005, and she had, I guess, was Googling on something and stumbled across it and went and listened to this 2005 episode. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. Hopefully I didn't embarrass myself, but she reached out. She was uh, quite complimentary, and in celebration of the fact that I played her music 16 years ago, uh, full disclosure, I don't actually remember that, and I don't have great records from those times, but uh, Lauren, I believe you that I played it. She's also um, told me she's one of the background singers on Camper Van Beethoven's New Roman Times, which uh, I think is a surprisingly fantastic album. Not often that uh, a band... You know, reunites 15 or 20 years after their heyday and puts out as good or better an album, possibly the best album of their career uh, under that circumstance. But that was that one. I may play that next show. Who knows? 
All right, so let's play a song by Lauren Hoffman. This is from the album Mercury Girls, the most recent one that's up on her band camp. And there will be links to this in the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Um, I, the, the title of this one jumped out at me. I sampled it, and uh, uh, I like it. It's got kind of that uh, cabaret feel to it. This is Sunrise at the Apocalypse.
All right. I very much enjoyed that. <laughs> that was Lauren Hoffman with Sunrise at the Apocalypse from the album Mercury Girls. And now, before we go any further, let's do what some 37 people think is the finest part of the show. It's a part we call The Reading. Give the patrons. The following people went to Patreon via bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon, and they pledged some support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, Arhuli, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Pachoco, Nutty Nukchas, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Steve Holden, Shannon Nelson, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, John Richardson, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Eric Peterson, Skeeter Murphy, Chiaki Hinohara, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Jared M., Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, Wayne Pittenger, and Brian Jones. Thank you, one and all, for supporting us here again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. And with that, let us kill the music. New folks might not know this, but I have been moving house. I've been setting up my new office, and the last couple uh, months of this show have been uh, a testament, a document to the travails of the awful situation that got us out of our old house and into this new house. But then kind of a, let's like sunrise at the apocalypse, just like Lauren Hoffman's song, uh, things got better. And I'm slowly turning uh, the clutter and the mess of this office into a functional space, and it gets better every day. I had been working off of basically this plastic folding table that was probably 15 or $20 from Aldi. And it was like maybe, it's like a portable table with a little strap in the middle. It was like, I think, four feet by two feet, something like that. It's the kind of thing you set up at a yard sale. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you carry to a, throw in your backseat of your car and carry to a potluck dinner. It's exactly, if you think about that, that's exactly what that is. And that has been my desk for a couple months. And I wanted a standing desk. I wanted like a full grown-up person's standing desk. The problem is that the um, frugal bastard in me <laughs> found it very difficult when, if you go to Wirecutter and you look at the best standing desk rep- recommendation that they make, the one they they uh, is their top pick for the forty eight inch wide one, I believe was like seven hundred dollars, and for the seventy two inch wide version of that is like eleven or twelve hundred dollars. Like goo. Now that did have um, like the motor and presets, and so you and it'll go you know press a button and say goo, it'll take you to this particular thing. You could conceivably have like multiple people's. Things like here's where I sit and here's where I stand and here's where somebody else sits and where somebody else stands. I don't have any of those needs. And I frankly, that was just, we've been $1,100 to death with home repairs and we got another and we're going to have to put a new roof on. And so we we knew some of this was coming in, but that just, it's too much to drop in. I don't even remember how I ran across this, but boy, my listeners, have I got a life hack for you. I have what is to me just as good a standing desk. It is not electric. It is a manual crank. Um, So if you put this thing up and down 10 times a day, may not be the right one for you. I have as yet ever changed it. I've put it in a standing position. I've never actually lowered it. This thing, 
I got the seven foot or the six foot wide, the seventy two inch version. It was two hundred and like seventy bucks at Home Depot, <laughs> because what it is is it's not a standing desk; it's a husky workbench. It's like for your garage. If you look at this thing, it is indistinguishable from any standing desk I've ever seen. So by not calling it a standing desk, by instead calling it a like a adjustable garage workbench. That knocks like $600 off the price. And the motor knocks it like another, I don't know, $150 off. I love this thing so much. I said, I, I, we ordered it from Home Depot because they didn't have it in stock. Got it on Sunday. Set the thing up. I have just been in love with this thing ever since. Oh, I like it so much. Every time I look at it, it just makes me happy. I have uh, avoided cluttering it up uh, the way I did with the old one. And even what I did is it's got a, you know, this like, not quite butcher block, but it's got, you know, a top that looks kind of like that. And then it's got a black metal frame. I went to Lowe's and got a roll of the uh, heavy-duty industrial Velcro, which is it was like 15 feet long by two inches wide. As it so happens, the rails for this thing are black and two inches wide. So I put the hard part of the Velcro down every rail, on both sides of the center rail, uh, on the upright, on, you know, all the stuff on the right side, which is the side uh, closest to the outlet. The power strip is now Velcroed to that thing. It was not sitting on top of it. Uh, all my cords, all my bricks, all my, the power bricks for all my laptops and my external monitors, they're all Velcroed up. I do not have a nest of cables the way I used to. It's actually so much better than I had it. And it was so cheap. It was 30 bucks for this uh, industrial Velcro and whatever. So I'm 300 bucks in and I have this beautiful desk that I love so much. And it just, it's like a delight. I'm actually, I'm resting my fingers on the desk because I just like, I just like touching it. <laughs> I just, I, I can't believe, so it, you know, it's like you go, uh, you ask the prom king or the prom queen out and they actually say yes. And uh, then you're like, oh, wow, I'm just going to. Then you, then you go on the date and you say, I'm just going to look at them. Yeah. I feel that same way about this desk. I'm like, how did I end up with this? If you go to the reviews of this, and again, there will be a link to this in the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org. If you look at the reviews of this thing on the Home Depot site, like one in 10 people are using it as a <laughs> garage tool bench, workbench type thing. 45% of the people are using it as a standing desk and 45% of the people are using it as a, like a sewing table, craft table. Oh, it's beautiful. I love this thing. If you are in a similar situation where you want a standing desk, you don't mind a uh, manual crank to take it up and down. So either uh, you're seldom, like if you're seldom changing it, like I may be in a period where I want to have a protracted period of sitting down at it. But for now, I'm, I'm fine leaving it in the standing mode. Um, and you want to save a lot of money off this. I th want to say that the 48-inch version was like 180 bucks or something. It was super cheap. So love this thing. Love this thing. Love this thing. Um, one of the things that happened to me uh, recently is um, Google reached out to me. And for the longest time, and they reached out to me from a, a Google recruiter, I should say, for the very longest time, um, any kind of um, recruiter that reached out to me from any company for any reason, whether that is uh, external or my company has kind of a, uh, a fairly big ecosystem. So you get kind of people that are not to my company, but inside the ecosystem. And sometimes they'll reach out and say, are you available to do some development work 
uh, inside the ecosystem uh, on a contract basis. And I always have to say no because I'm employee of a named company. And I can't do that. I, just, I, I am prohibited from doing that. And for a very long time, I've just said blanket no uh, to everybody for everything. Um, I actually took Google's call this time. Partly out of curiosity, partly because, you know, I'm kind of reaching a point. <laughs> I'm kind of late career. And I was like, just out of curiosity, let's talk to these jokers. Boy, it's one of these things. It's kind of like feeding a stray cat. I probably shouldn't have done it just because now I don't know that I can untalk to Google, if you know what I mean. Um, but the other thing is, I'm sure, I'm sure that in the Google. Does Google have a self view? I guess, and like in the corporate, in the corporate introspective view, I would imagine that like a Google recruiter thinks that they uh, their calls are like desirable, that uh, people want to hear from Google, that it's essentially that they're a good get, that uh, you know that I am fortunate that Google reached out to me, and I'm sure that Facebook feels the same way, and I'm sure. Yahoo feels the same. <laughs> you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure the big, you know, Apple feels the same way. Like if they reach out to you, they're doing you a favor. Boy, I'll be honest. <sighs> I told Google, I was like, uh, I told the recruiter. I didn't tell John Google this. Uh, I told the recruiter that, you know, full the transparency. I'm not considering anything if it is not phenomenal. <laughs> like, like I don't have to consider anything if it's not phenomenal. And I'm just plain not. And I looked at the job. Not phenomenal. It's okay. There's a t- like if I had to, if you know, like eight years ago when I ended up at this company, I was fleeing a job that I just felt like I couldn't do another day, and you know, not nearly, <laughs> nowhere near uh, retirement at that point in in my life, uh, either financially or for any on any axis, and I, I needed a home. And if I had been offered this job then, I would have cons- it would have been attractive. And today, it ain't attractive. And honestly, the Google aspect of it, like the fact that it's Google, uh, does not sweeten the pot. If anything, it sours the pot. <laughs> it's 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 worse to me than like random startup offering you know the same like a job that was in every other way identical, but not to Google. Because I just don't want to deal with the Googleness of it, right? Uh, I don't want to. I a long time ago interviewed for a job with the providers of this wonderful desk, Home Depot. I interviewed with them in, when was that, 2000-ish. I went back to Atlanta in 2000. I, I uh, interviewed with a few places, um, ended up uh, carrying my job with me in telecommuting for a little while. But when I interviewed, um, one of the things that they uh, said was, uh, like I remember Home Depot saying that they bled black and gold. And I remember that being one of the things <laughs> that put me off of it. Also, the fact that even though you work at the corporate headquarters, you had to spend two weeks in the store. And I had shopped in that store. So I was on Pace's Ferry. In fact, uh, like I, I want to say that this desk came from that store. <laughs> it has that it has that address stamped on it. And uh, once they told me that you know all the office workers have to spend two weeks in, in that in a Home Depot store, I realized. Now that's why the service is so terrible <laughs> at this one particular store. That's why nobody knows where anything is. These are all secretaries and and software engineers that don't know where the damn hardware is. But at that time, the fact that they were so the fact that that was part of the deal 
was the, it's not that I'm coming in and doing a job for Home Depot, that I'm developing call center software, which I was fine with. I was fine with writing Java-based call center software for Home Depot. But it was the trip that I didn't, that I didn't sign up for. I don't, I want to come in and do work and I want to get paid fairly and I want to do a good job for you. I don't want to, I don't need a new family. <laughs> I don't, you know, that whole notion of it's like a family. It's like, I got a fan. I got as much family as I can handle. <laughs> I may have slightly more family than I can handle. I don't need more family. I don't want more family. I want a job. <laughs> and so that really was an anti-selling point to me that, and, and honestly, when it came down to it, it was like, the job's decent. The pay's good. I don't, I'm not going to bleed black and gold for you. I will write call center software for you. And I will try to write really excellent call center software for you, but I'm not bleeding for you. That was a deal. And I feel the same kind of way as like, Google. So (laughs) that said, uh, if Google listens, if, uh, uh, Madam Google reaches, (laughs) listens to the show. Sorry. I hate to break it to you this way. Uh, I've also said an email to the same effect. But um, this has put me into also, uh, you know, all of this Google stuff is concurrent with the setting up of the new office. There was a time that I uh, experimented with the Google Home um, uh, speakers. That was the very first thing I ever got. And I think I got it because it was a free with a purchase of something else on Black Friday. I had never had any voice assistant of any kind, and that one was the first one. I think I got that, and I think later on I got a uh, like a mini. Um, same thing. I don't believe I've ever purchased any of them. I have at least two, one or two in the box, never been opened, that I got the same way. <clears throat> and I used that thing for a while. At some point, um, I stopped using it in favor of the Lady A device. And... In both cases, like when I had them on there, and the Lady A as a voice assistant, way better. Like the the Google Home will kind of limp along. It'll do some of the stuff. It's not perfect. It does. It's okay at like uh, manipulating the devices and turning things on and off. It's less good on some of the calendary type things. It's even though my calendar is in Google, it actually works better from the Lady A device. So uh, it, it just, you know, it wasn't great. However, um, I always liked attaching my phone and using it as a Bluetooth speaker better because it's easy. Like uh, you can just put your finger on it and like by rolling it around as if it were an iPod wheel, you can turn the volume up and down. You tap it and it stops and starts. And the Echo just isn't, doesn't do that. And at some point, I don't know why this hasn't occurred to me in the last, oh, let's say four years. I can have both. <laughs> like it's not, I don't have to, I don't have to have a, uh, like all or nothing, uh, everything, put it all on the line. This is it. Uh, let it ride, baby. Th- th- they can sit right next to each other and I can operate each one. Like, I don't think I've ever said the wake word for this home in the last month. I don't think I've said it once. The literally it is like a Bluetooth speaker for me, but it's a capable handy Bluetooth speaker that I used to listen to my podcast all day, every day. And it works better than the other thing. And then I used a lady a for everything else. And, uh, turns out that's not, uh, that's not, not a bad way to do it. I actually, uh, I don't know why this never occurred to me. Literally. I've been, <laughs> I used one and I said, this one's better. Put the other thing in a box. And it was sat in the box. Now, because I have the Echo B um, 
smart thermostats. This house is crawling with Lady A devices. Like every thermostat is one. Um, we've had to change the work words on some. Like my daughter changed hers to, I'll say it, Ziggy, <laughs> because otherwise uh, she's close enough to the thermostat that uh, it was. Uh, Ran- kind of random and non-deterministic if she said the wake word which one would respond it's not like she would try to play music and it starts playing on the thermostat not what she was intending <clears throat> so anyway I'm going to take I'm getting a little uh, throat tickle I'm going to pause right here I'm going to have some of this mm, C3 coffee bar very churchy it's a local church has this coffee bar mm. still warm oh that's good but by good, I mean on the low end of acceptable, but acceptable. Mm. Drink them if you got them. So uh, also in the whole, so I've been thinking about the Google ecosystem in part because of this. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, moving house. Uh, last episode, the previous episode, I, I discussed um, Home Assistant and like bringing it over to the new house, uh, bringing it over into this new place what a kind of uh, semi-nightmare that was. Depending on how far I get, I may actually talk more about Home Assistant. We'll see how far, how many bullet points I make it to. It's on the list. But uh, so I've been kind of deliberately and trying to, um, you know, um, m- make a concerted effort to think through everything that I'm, if I'm turning something up, it's got to be for purpose. And it's not, you know, what I had before was a coral reef. <laughs> you know, it was... One thing came into the house and another thing came into the house and then maybe one thing got turned off or a thing broke or a thing fried and then I got another thing and it just, there was never a plan. And now with this, it's more like a, a skyscraper, right? I'm trying to build the foundation and then the next layer and then the next layer. There, there, there needs to be a plan. And, uh, you know, so I'm looking at how all these things fit together. And honestly, with Google kind of reaching out with the recruiter, one of the things that um, that was a detraction, one of the things that really knocked a lot of the uh, bloom off that rose was if I start thinking about this, looking at the graveyard of Google products I really enjoyed and that they shut down. And it's so consistent that I'm going to guess at some point in the next three months, I will get some email from Somewhere in the Google family, it could be a Nest thermostat, which is now not a Nest thermostat; it's a whatever it is, or it could be YouTube, which is now not you know, YouTube Red is now YouTube Plus, which is now YouTube minus minus, which is now YouTube whatever, or the service you're using is going away. It irks me every single time. I got a brand new Epson printer and I fired it up and it says use Google Cloud Print. And then I click to go provision Google Cloud Print on my uh, printer. And it says, Google Cloud Print is no longer a working service. It's been deprecated, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Jesus. I uh, went back. uh, I'm moving data off of old hard drives onto a NAS. And I found what was, until I upgraded for size, I found like what was my main laptop hard drive up until like 2016. There is some old history of podcasting shit on here. I really have to kind of examine what's on there. Um, I found my uh, I found my ID from James Randi. I might play that later in the show. And uh, <laughs> like stuff like that, which for no good reason had just sort of gone AWOL. Um, but in there, I found like a Google takeout of my Google Reader from 2013 when they shut it down. I was like, oh, Google Reader. I, you know, and then I was like, 
I liked Google Wave. And I liked Google Buzz. <laughs> you know, I liked I liked all of these things. And the so the 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 idea that I'm gonna go work for the company that gets me excited about products, gets me using the products, and then at some point or another just pulls the rug out. It's like no, I don't I don't think so. Google Plus. God damn it. it was my second favorite social media. My favorite of all time, the best of all time, was FriendFeed. FriendFeed was great, and for some reason, the affordances of FriendFeed made the dis- discussion there better. You could do, you know, FriendFeed direct stuff, but it also aggregated everything. It would, you know, all your other social media sites showed up there, plus you could make a direct on FriendFeed post. I loved everything about it. Facebook acquired them, made all those people Facebook engineers, and shut the damn thing down. And then my second favorite was Google Plus, and Google Plus went however many years and then shut the damn thing down. And I liked Google Plus so much better than Facebook, which uh, now I don't even touch, or I touch as little as I possibly can. I avoid it because, and by the way, my life feels better for it. <laughs> I sold some of our old moving boxes, so I had to go on Facebook long enough to, um, to uh, actually like list a thing in Marketplace. Did the listing, sold it that same day, uh, marked that as sold. Other than the people that I message via Facebook, I try to not, like, I try to never look at the timeline. I If I post to there, it's because something automatically posted through there for me. Oh, I just, but I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed using Google+. And uh, so can I, as a, as a, consumer out in the world as a internet user who needs to get something done google comes out with a great product let's say even let's say what they wanted me for was to be the the developer relations person for this great new product that google's done and i'm going to be that uh you know the developer advocate out there telling the world how great this thing is do i have any faith that that thing's going to live on not really i predict at some point any product google rolls out will be Either other anything other than like search in Gmail and Android, anything could go at any time. So you you just no no thank you thank you thank you so much no thank you. I listened to an episode of Unchained. I I ain't gonna I ain't gonna list the manifest here today, but I do believe that Unchained has uh, entered the probationary. <laughs> They've entered the penalty box. Um, I, I don't know how long, I, much longer I can hang with this. So Laura Shin uh, does this cryptocurrency-based, um, you know, blockchain cryptocurrency-type show. The episode today, the title was, Will All Media on the Internet Be NFTs? And then they uh, had an interview with people from a company which I can't even remember the name of the company, but these are some crypto maximalist. They the, the two people worked for Andreessen Horowitz, and I don't remember. I don't even remember anything about their business, anything. But the more they talked about the value of NFT, the less I care. Right? The more anyone talks about the value of NFT, the you know they're talking. At the point where I realized it's not even the thing a lot of times, it's when the guy was talking about how um, it is a hash of, you know, you, know, you buy an NFT of uh, a digital uh, work, like a digital, like a JPEG. And it's hashed in there and then in the blockchain. So it proves that you own it. 
but you don't even have like the image isn't even in the thing you own, right? It's like, why in God's name do I care about this? Who cares whether I can prove that I own it? I can, I remember the story about the people who bought an NFT that included something like maybe a comic and then their plan was to publish it. And somebody had to uh, point out to them, no, 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 you bought the NFT. You did not buy publishing rights to this thing. You bought an NFT of the thing. And like the the idea that it's worth all this all of this stuff to um to prove that you have some sort of abstract ownership of a digital work i could not care less i've never gone into a house for a party i've never gone into a house party and said this is a beautiful house can i see the title you got the paperwork on this thing i'd love to see the title of it <laughs> Who's who's your mortgage with? Is it free and clear? How much do you owe on it? I don't. Those details do not concern me in the slightest. So why am I supposed to care? Um, the one thing that I thought was sensible out of this is um, that the uh, unnamed dude who <laughs> I can't remember anything about him uh, uh, was talking about the power consumption of uh, blockchain. You know, like proof of proof of work type blockchains and that they get a bad rap for the environmental impact. And it's, it's, it's one of these things. It's like an article of faith. I hear anybody. I am one of the few people who I know is a um, crypto skeptic who doesn't trot that out. Like everybody trots that out. If you, because when you don't like a thing and you know, one negative thing about uh, like, if you are, let's not even say you don't like it. Let's say you are inclined against something. And you know one negative thing about it. That's the thing. I mean, whether or not that's actually the um, logical underpinnings of why you don't like it, that's the thing you'll use because it's the it's the one it's it's the hammer you got, and that problem is a nail. So that's what you're going to use. I don't actually think that that's if that is a problem. Um, the point that this guy made was okay. Let's say one Bitcoin transaction. The amount, uh, you know, of energy it takes, you find uh, prohibitive. How much energy does it does your ATM transaction take? Well, you don't know. No one knows. <laughs> like how much? How much does it take when, like, when my when I make a stock trade at Fidelity uh, or M1? How much energy does that consume? Because you gotta like prorate out how many transactions and how much their ser- you know how much energy did their servers take and how much does it take to clear one of those things and how much you know, like what's the differential energy it takes to do something like that? It's not zero, so is it more or less than a crypto transaction? I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows. But nobody says don't, um, don't you know use your debit card because of the energy consumption of your debit card. It could be grotesque. I don't know. It's it's just that we actually it's it's the um you know no good deed goes unpunished is that we know something about this one thing uh you know in cryptocurrency because they're kind of open and we don't know anything about all these closed opaque black box systems so I will give them that which is uh I'm not um I'm not hammering on that one I will looks like maybe we'll uh maybe we'll make it this far. I had mentioned Home Assistant. I, on the last show, was talking about how bringing, you know, picking it up and moving to a new house was kind of a disaster as a lot of the things changed. I had to reconfigure. That was last show. 
in the time between that show and this show, my Raspberry Pi that ran Home Assistant, the card failed. This is not uh, an unheard of occurrence because there's a lot of read writes and it's not the first SD card that has failed in this particular Raspberry Pi running Home Assistant. I actually had purchased a um, the one, like the SD card, what do you call it, Ultra or something. It's the kind that you would use in a uh, dash cam. It's optimized for lots of reading and writing. It's more robust, way more expensive, <laughs> which is probably why I've never bought one. Um, but uh, so I had one ready to go. And uh, had never, you know, had just never said, you know, but it was ready to go. So the thing dies. I'm like, okay, great. I'll get the backup. And I'll, uh, you know, I'll restore from backup and we'll just go forward. And I have a backup. The backup I have is from December 26th. The last full backup or the last backup of any kind I have was from December 26th. My friends, that's two days before I moved. <laughs> so everything I told you about migrating from the old house to the new house, I did again. Because I had to start back over from the backup right before I moved. So as much fun as I talked about last show, I got to live it twice. It was like Groundhog Day, which happened very recently. So this inspired me. If you are a Home Assistant user, I'm, I tried a couple of the um, plugins or whatever they call them, the add-ons. I tried um, one that uh, would back it up to Dropbox, I could never get that thing to work. I try, I spent so long uh, farting with that thing and I couldn't get it to work. And then there's uh, an uh, add-on called Samba Backup. So I've got my Synology uh, storage box in the house. It has a Samba share. I went and I tried to set this thing up and I do the configuration. The configuration was easier than the other thing. Um, and when it did, it gave me a little error message. I said what I thought was the Samba name. I, Samba stuff always confuses me. Like, am I supposed to say the work group here? Or I don't remember any of the stuff. And I said what I thought was the share. You're supposed to give it the share and the path. And I did that. And then what it gave me an error message that says, this, the thing you told me is not a share. Here are the, val the valid shares on this box. And one of them was the front part of the path that I gave it. I was like, oh, so tell it that thing, the share, and then... The, re the remainder is to path. Okay, great. The Dropbox thing gave me lots of errors that says, could not connect, could not connect, could not connect, nothing further. The Samba share says, I couldn't do with what you said, but here's what I could do. <laughs> and that thing works like a charm. So every night around 1 a.m., that thing kicks off a full Home Assistant backup. Then it puts that thing in the Samba share. Boom, done. And that thing has been so reliable. <laughs> and so I checked it a few times and now I'm not going to check it, uh, you know, uh, every day. I don't remember. I think I gave it something like keep the last 50 or something. I mean, I got terabytes here, so it's not, I'm not going to consume it with these uh, home assistant backups. But at some point, you know, if I have too many of them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, if I had a thousand backups, that's, what's the difference between using backup 200 and backup 500, you know? Uh, so I'm probably 30 or 50 is too many. Probably like 20, 10 is enough or one. It might be enough for what I'm trying to do it for. But, uh, boy, I was really kind of hoist on my own petard. <laughs> All right. One more, one more thing. Uh, a long time ago, I told the story of Precursor, um, was this one of these crowdfunding things. It was a, it's an open source hardware, open firmware cell phone. And I, 
signed up to back that project. It was like five or six hundred dollars. And then I got cold feet. Like 25 hours later, I said, what am I going to do? This is cool. Everything about this is great. What am I going to do with this thing? It will be an expensive albatross that I won't use. And uh, it's an interesting project that has no applicability. And do I care $500 worth on this? And so I backed out of it. I, I, but when I backed out, when I un, uh, unpledged, that did not uh, remove me from the precursor mailing list. So I still get, I don't even remember which site this is, crowdfunding.org or, you know, something. It's a non-Kickstarter thing that's just like that. And uh, so I still get those emails. And I never unsubscribe from the emails because I'm vaguely interested in the product, I, you know, that project. I want to see what happens and I want to see when it happens and all this kind of stuff. Well, I got a little bit of validation because I don't, I forget how far it, I think it's maybe like a year past when it was supposed to um, ship, not shipped is in the late stages. They're getting a lot of, um, which is, as I said last time, (laughs) you need the line of communication. You don't want to be close and then go radio silent. And everybody says, where's our, where's our thing. If you're getting close, tell people you're getting close, but the, uh, the supply chain, is hitting the precursor. And it makes me really, really uh, glad that this thing that I thought was going to be expensive, boondoggle, and pointless, and it's also really late and possibly hard to source. And, you know, it's like, oh, thank God. Thank God I didn't let my nerd, my nerd eyes be bigger than my uh, financial stomach. Boy, that's a, that is a painfully stretched, um, painfully stretched metaphor there. But one of the things that I did crowdfund, um, two different things from Maker's Cabinet. Both of these came via the Erasable podcast. I still, this is really going up the list of my favorite podcasts. It is towards the top. I love it so much. Don't know why. Erasable.us, also in the show notes. These guys just talk about pencils. Every show is about pencils. They've been doing this for seven years. They're right on the show, like, they're in their hundred. The show, they're like, like 200 shows talking about pencils. And the show's not short. It's like between one and two hours. So we're talking like hundreds of hours of pencil talk. And I still can't get enough of it. <laughs> I love it. But because of the, they mentioned this stuff, I have both the Hervel, which is the uh, like razor blade sharpened um, sh- pencil sharpener, uh, and the Ferrell, which is a, it's essentially like a, both of these things are beautifully brass, like heavy you know, either one of them could be used to defend yourself in an emergency. Like, if you're, you know, at the core working space and somebody uh, threatens your life, you could probably do some damage with either one because they are hefty. But the ferrule um, is this, like, beautifully machined piece of brass. It's a, basically a pencil holder. It's like, uh, imagine, like, a you know, everything that, like, a cigarette holder does, which is a very timely reference from the 1930s. But... You, you twist the thing and you can put a pencil. So let's say you have the stub of a pencil. You can put that in there. And now you have this nice, satisfying uh, brass holder that you can use uh, the pencil until basically it disappears, until it, it ends up as uh, shavings and graphite dust. And it's cool. I've taken, uh, for no, uh, no particular reason, um, I have long been uh, just walking out with mini golf. We live in near Myrtle Beach. And so we, there's a fair amount of mini golfing in our life. I've walked out with many, many, many pencils. Sometimes deliberately, usually not, but I have a gazillion of those pencils. It is fantastic to put those little pencils in the ferrule and use it. So both the Hervel, uh, I don't know, somebody um, from Sweden or one of these Scandic 
countries. Tell me what a how do I pronounce the O with the line through it? It was kind of like a zero. And what is the name for that particular letter? Because <laughs> it ain't an O. It's similar to an O. Uh, I don't know what any diacritical. The only diacritical uh, thing I know a tilde, and I know the uh, umlaut. That would be it. I don't know any other diacritical. Uh, the name of any other diacritical mark for any other language. Somebody who uh, I think I think it's Swedish. It could be Norse. I don't know. Uh, but boy, this is part of the whole that it really fits with the kind of hipster uh, aesthetic of the new office. The you know wood paneled walls, uh, not wood panel. I mean they're wood walls. It's not paneling. It's wood. Um, of this former pool room that is now my office with my hipster uh, stand-up desk from Home Depot. And uh, boy, with my feral and my herval, and uh, oh, it's all coming together. It's all of a piece. And uh, boy, I'm so happy. I'm happy to talk to you from this space. And I'm, guys, I'm just happy. We have had seen some dark days. Giving your dog away, <laughs> being forced by an organization to give your dog away Fucking sucks. <laughs> Getting your dog back, fucking wonderful. <laughs> so uh, the corner has been turned. Uh, let us uh, hope that it stays turned. Let us hope that we're on a... Let's hope it's not a corner turn. Let's hope it's a new direction. And uh, boy, things are good. This office is good. Life is, for the moment, good. Let's uh, hope that it stays that way. I hope your life has turned a corner. Your life is good. And your life stays that way. Reach out to me. Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Show notes will be up at evilgeniuschronicles.org. You want a link to that sweet, sweet desk? I don't think I there's such a thing as a Home Depot affiliate. I wish there was. <laughs> but uh, uh, that link will be there if you want to see that thing or all the stuff. If you want the link to Maker's Cabinet or Lauren Hoffman or Home Assistant or any of these resources, if I can find a link for it, it'll be up there. <sighs> thank you for listening. If you're new, thank you. And if you're new and you stuck it this far, Purple Heart, my friend. Thank you for listening. If you want to subscribe on any of the mechanisms, uh, I shan't enumerate them. I should be on all of them. Uh, if I if there's some weird uh, platform and I ain't on it and you want me on it, David Evil Genius Chronicles dot org. I'm amenable. Uh, I'm amenable, but not proactive. Let's put it that way. That will not be the title. That wouldn't be a bad title. Amenable, but not proactive. Hang tough. Stay safe. Enjoy your life. And don't forget, as you go out into this cold, cruel world, that I love you. Bye. Uh, this is from the... <coughs> this is Sunrise at the Apocalypse. Uh, you can always go to the sh- to evilgeniuschronicles.org. Subscribe by uh, any of ye- the uh, mechanisms that you uh, you do such a thing. Oh, that was... Huh? Every step, Every step of fucking adventure... adventure.